you're listening to the Counseling Clinic Podcast with Aisha J. And Lisa Michelle, the show for up-and-coming mental health professionals, advocates, and anyone else wanting to learn more about the mental health field from two not-so-professional professionals. The discussions in our episodes are not a replacement for seeking professional, individual mental health care and should not be viewed as part of one's own personal mental health treatment. Our conversations are geared toward assisting mental health professionals, advocates, and others interested with thought-provoking ideas and resources. For our full disclosure statement, visit our website at thecounselingclinicpodcast.com. Hello, folks. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. If you are a returning listener, if you're new here, we are happy to have you. This is the still the beginning of season six. This is episode two of season six. And we are back today with part two of the scary side of counseling. But the catch is, it's not the scary part. This is the part where we will ease all of those fears that we talked about in last the last episode where we did talk about the scary side. So this time we'll be kind of lifting those disguises of um, those scary images that we used to have of, uh, and I guess still have, of counseling. Good one. <laughs> so therapy has really warmed up over the years, which is why we're able to do this kind of comparison, right? Unfortunately, the ideas really are kind of still the same, but... I mean, like, you know, the layperson's ideas, people's thoughts and um, concerns about counseling are still kind of the same, but counseling itself has changed a lot. Um, it's kind of wound up, right? So one of the ways is that it's less sterile, right? Remember last time we talked about those sterile images of the clinician not really saying anything, you know, those white walls and nothing around, just two people not really talking to each other in a conversation or anything. It doesn't really look like that anymore. Right. I think one of the ways that's changed or has has started to change is personal style in offices. You know, if you watch Absolutely. If you watch old older or time period shows and movies, like you said, you're seeing the white walls, you're seeing very bland, sterile environments. But now we're seeing a therapist have a cute office or Mm -hmm. um, some people are doing stuff in their homes. So allowed for more decor and more inviting spaces. Right. Um, Remember, we did episodes on that. Was that in season five? That was season five, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So in season five, we did an episode on therapeutic spaces and how like those can be more inviting um, and welcoming and present a, a warmer uh, feeling for clients. Um, and even in virtual spaces, you know, we're not together, but you can still see backgrounds. And um, I think those look different, too. So that's a big deal, right? It's more person friendly. And then the person friendly part really is kind of double sided because it's more Counseling has become more person-friendly to the client. You know, like I just mentioned, uh, feeling more welcoming, having, um, letting the client be more involved, right? Actually listening and things like that. But with that, 
the clinician has also become had to become more humanized. Um, and I think that's something to take into consideration, too. Absolutely. You know, we're moving from this Freudian psychoanalytic piece to more Rogerian and engaging sessions. Right. And of course, you know, with anything that the clinician being humanized, um, if taken too far, can present its own issues, right? That's right. But, but in this part, we're talking about the good part about it. So let's pretend they don't do that right now. <laughs> and that's one of the things media has grown with. Um, I'm going to reference it again later, and I've referenced it before, but the shows Never Have I Ever and the most recent season of In Treatment show very fun, colorful, lively spaces and and counselors, social workers who are engaging and warm. Um, Yeah, I really liked the counselor on um, Atypical. You know, I know that um, they had the issue where she kind of had an outburst with, I don't even remember his name on that show. What's his name? Oh, I don't remember. Hmm. Okay. Nobody remembers his name. Anyway, (laughs) but the point is that, you know, she did have that outburst, which was, I think that's a conversation for a different day. Um, but I, I really did like how personable she was, how, um, supportive she was of him, that she wanted the best for him. She was cute, you know, like you said, uh, bright colors and, and, uh, personable and, uh, still had boundaries, but appropriate boundaries. You know, this, I think there was a good balance with that. Again, excluding that outburst that again is a topic for a different day. <laughs> right. Um, another thing that kind of takes some of the fear away is that there's so many more styles now of counseling. You know, Michelle, you just mentioned kind of the difference between psychoanalytical and um, Rogerian and person-centered, right? Um, so those are two things. And remember, y'all, y'all never have to remember these words. It's just, <laughs> it's just stuff that we want you to know, like this differences, you know. Um, so there are really popular ones like CBT. There are millions of branches that um that spurred from from CVT, right? They took CVT and added a couple of things and then called it something different. So there's many of different styles now. Yeah, and specifically with pop culture, you know, we are seeing more person-centered styles. Mm-hmm. I think we're also moving in a good direction even. Of seeing examples of trauma treatment, um, good and bad representation of that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think we're beginning to see numerous styles. We're seeing social workers in a more realistic light. Um, yeah. Like in the movie Joker, even though that was a period piece, right? Right. Um, Still still fitting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and you know what? To be quite honest, I think that the image, it's pretty fair when it comes to like social work. I think that 
it tends to be shown, you know, with them bogged down with cases mm-hmm. regularly. You know, they have every intention of being as helpful as possible, but it's sometimes that's implausible for them because of their caseload. And I think that I appreciate, um, you know, I, I know that's not what I think, but I know that I appreciate seeing that. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Another thing is I think because there are so many new styles, like, I don't know if, it, I don't have any research to prove this, but I feel like in my experience with clients coming in, I think that they are seeing things that are kind of empowering them. Like, for example, um, I had a kid, I, I want to say she's 12, and we were wrapping up and planning what we would do next time. And so I told her I wanted to um, find something for her. And, you know, next time, if I found that, we would we would work on that, right? And so she said, if you don't find it, can we do something with music? And I'm like, absolutely. Even if I do find it, we can do something with music, right? <laughs> like, this is your treatment. We can do whatever you want to do. Um, mind you, that's something that... uh you know, I have to prepare for and make sure I'm okay. But I, you guys know that I'm pretty open with my clients and telling them, you know, that's not something I have a lot of experience with. Um, you know, if you're willing to grow with me and let me learn about it, I'm definitely happy to do that with you. Uh, we can walk through it together. If you want somebody who's more experienced, I can help you find that too, you know, so. Yeah. I'm absolutely open to doing that. I do that regularly with my clients. Um, but I think the important part is that, you know, even the clients are recognizing that you can bring other stuff in, right? And use therapeutic things therapeutically, right? <laughs> That's right. So yeah, when it comes to these disguises, these fears about what it's going to be like in the session or what kind of work we're doing, Know that it's changing. Know that it's not necessarily what you've seen on television. It's not necessarily what you hear about from back in the day with just free association and and lying on a couch. Um, We have moved into so many more styles that now we can kind of tailor it to the clients. Right. And of course, you know, like I always say, if all else fails, ask your clinician. <laughs> yes. Just ask. Um, or if nothing else, if that's a, a concern that you have, you know, sometimes people with anxiety are too anxious to ask. You know, they're a, that's a concern that people have. And that's okay, too. Um, another way to counter that is to, um, one, I would say your therapist should be empowering you to do that, right? So, at some point, I hope you feel comfortable enough to act on your own, but you can always give feedback, right? I'd like to think that your clinician is um, asking and checking in with you and making sure that things work um, where you feel like you are in your progress. Let them know then, you know, so that way it's not as scary as you bringing it up on your own. Well, I do feel like things are going well, but can we try this? Right. Um, That one didn't really work for me. Is there something else we can try? Right. And with those changes in styles, we've been able to create um, our. Let me say that different. Um, <laughs> and with those changes in styles, I think that has made room for more diversity, right? Whereas it started out with older white men. Now there's different sexes, different races, different ages. Um, and I think all of that is important. 
And also, those are specifications that you can make. You know, like you can ask for different things in your therapist. Absolutely. You can seek a therapist that meets those certain criteria if you have them. That's right. Because there are a lot of people will only want to see a practitioner of a certain age or gender as they're working through certain issues. And that's mm-hmm. understandable. So there is room to ask for that. Yes. Uh, sometimes people think they're supposed to be looking for a certain thing, right? Um, well, you know, like you mentioned, if they're working on a certain issue, well, then maybe a woman can help me more with this. Or I hear a lot of, uh, you know, black people should have black therapists, right? And if that's something that you want, that's okay, right? But if that's not something that you want, that's okay too, you know? And I, I believe we're seeing a lot of changes with this in the media. I referenced the two shows, Never Have I Ever, in the newest season of In Treatment. Both of those are middle-age uh, black women. And, you know, we look past the first three seasons of In Treatment were middle-aged white men. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we see a lot of even... You know, last episode I mentioned the movie No Reservations. Her therapist is a white male who's older. You know, that is so common in previous forms of media, but it's changing now. I love seeing um, social workers and counselors who are different ages, who some are young um, or young-ish. <laughs> um, right. I cannot tell you how many times the clients ask me that or parents of clients ask me, how old are you? Do you have to- yeah, <laughs> but I think because we assume a air quotes, a good therapist is really old, <laughs> right? Or even like, are you old enough to understand? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially with diversity. And we'll come back around to this later. But the diversity of counselors, social workers on social media, right? Mm-hmm. When we're talking about the opportunities to find what you're looking for. We're seeing a lot of posts right now in this age about therapist shopping, right? To kind of see what fits you, who fits you, which is great. But that wasn't being talked about 10 years ago. Right. We talk about that here all the time, right? Definitely choose who's right for you, you know? Yeah. But you're right. That wasn't being talked about before. And I think that that's a, definitely an area of improvement. I think this is great that we have that option now. And then um, the other thing is, I think the best part about that is that clinicians are aware of it, right? Um, clinicians are talking about amongst each other ways to communicate to clients, hey, I am able to work with uh, transgender clients, right? Um, I have experience working with people in the LGBTQ community, right? I work with uh, people of color or specifically women of color, or I work with kids and are specifically kids with ADHD or things like that. Like we are actively looking for ways to communicate to clients. These are the, the areas that I can help in, but also, um, you know, if this is something that you're looking for, I have this, right? I'm welcome into this thing, right? And I think that's probably my favorite part about it is that, you know, when things change, we we all have to kind of change. And I think clinicians are doing a great job of growing with the times in that specific area. I completely agree with that. And I think 
again, that's getting promoted, whether it's social media, movies and television. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's really no way to avoid that. So it's not like it was like, oh, hey, y'all, let's do this. It's kind of like in our face and we got to do it. But right, it's right. still a good thing. So yay for us. Um, <laughs> but, and, and for example, like I have a teenage client who identifies as a lesbian and when her parents were therapist shopping, right? Um, she, she asked them, well, how are you going to find my therapist? Uh, you know, what, if, what if I get a homophobe? What, what are we going to do? <laughs> Important question. Okay. Right. I laugh at that, but I, I'm one, I'm pretty proud of her for, for saying that, you know, that that's a concern for her. So, um, that to say, you know, you can access, you know, you can therapist shop and you can, you know, you can look forward to things that are important to you. And then another way that we're able to kind of lift the scary disguise is because there's a much stronger social media presence, right? So even without the clients talking about counseling or mental health or therapy, the clinicians are there, right? Advertising and things like that. That's right. You know, we have a lot of counselors and mental health professionals on TikTok, Instagram, uh, podcasts, <clears throat> us. <clears throat> <laughs> Very smooth. <laughs> right. Subtle. <laughs> Believe me, that's something those who know me know that I'm not subtle. <laughs> I don't bury the lead. Right. Um, but we have a lot of mental health professionals discussing diagnoses, the mm-hmm. treatment and therapeutic process, um, different tips for coping and grounding. And all of these are really, though I think there are, like, you know, we talked about a second ago, pros and cons. Absolutely. I think, I think there are a lot of pros, though. You know, maybe it's an equal amount, but I do think there's a lot of pros to that because I think it's, easing the tension and and removing those disguises yeah and and also you know i think it's okay for us to share some of those things some of those tips and stuff i mean because think about it we all know to wash our hands cover our coughs right different things like that like preventative measures we can have those in in mental health too right things to kind of help you in between therapist shopping or choosing a therapist or seeing your therapist. I've heard this said a lot and I still stand by this. We have to work to remove the, for lack of a better word, mystic ideas behind counseling. Because I think a lot of times there have been therapists who want to harbor the information and the knowledge that they know, right? right? Share it publicly. Doesn't mean you don't need treatment, right? TikTok counselors is not going to therapy, right? but these are things that can help get people into the treatment and the help they need. Another thing is that online therapy has seen a massive growth. We've talked about that in numerous episodes. right? Um, and to an extent, it can be counted under social media presence. You know, you get ads for these yeah, platforms agree. a lot. Yeah, tons of it. <laughs> Which is such a good thing because, again, that's work to remove the disguises, you know, to have someone, whether it's a celebrity or an athlete or random person, right, explaining it can be scary, but it doesn't have to always be that way. That is helpful. That's a baby step or a pretty adult step 
to helping us. And I would like to say that as far as like the ads for the large online platforms for mental health treatment, I think those are helpful. And obviously there's some risk there, but I will say that the risk is more for the clinicians um, in those specific cases. And, and I guess this is for clinician growth. So maybe it is important to say it here. Um, <laughs> the risk is more for clinicians. I don't know. I'll save that for later. Maybe we'll do an episode on that. That's fair. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And I would say the last removal of disguises, does that work? Mm-hmm. Um, is that clients, former clients, advocates are discussing topics and encouraging professional help. I have never seen as yeah. much yep. promotion and encouragement of go get some help um, as I have in the last probably three years. And and I'm I'm glad you used that one, like people actually advertising it that way, because I do think that with social media, one of the kinds is that we see a lot of, you know, a lot of diagnosing, right? That's right. You you need help. You you're this, you're that, you're narcissist, and you're um borderline and bipolar. Right, yeah, but right, those are the best ones. Uh you're borderline and bipolar or you know, my favorite one, bipolar schizophrenic together right love that one as one thing that's my favorite all the way from episode one you know it's a we have a history of mental violence whatever that is (laughs) right so those are some of our favorites so you know that that's one of the kinds is um that diagnosing or and things like that add to the stigma which is why it's a kind right yes that um that's dangerous right we we can't just throw diagnoses on people, especially when we don't know what we're talking about, right? But um, like Michelle said, the positive, the pro of it um, is that it's actually people who have received treatment are saying, go get treatment if you're concerned about it, right? So it's not that it doesn't look the same as that, um, you know, you need help. You need to, it looks like, um, it looks like, hey, if you're concerned, go seek help, right? I did it. It was great. This was wonderful. You should try it, right? Give it, give yourself a chance. Um, And I think that that's wonderful. Absolutely. You know, as uh, I think one of the disguises used to be related to things like, the hysteria movement with women back in the day, right? Of, oh, if you're acting this way, you unruly and we got to get you out of here. But now, like you said, it's more of a, hey, I've been through this. If you have a concern, go seek help. Go see kind of how it, how it fits for you. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful way to remove the intimidation and remove some of the fears. Yeah. And, you know, like I talked about on the last one, um, different groups have their own stereotypes, right? There's judgment for so many different groups in so many ways. And so I think that the more that we can have of that advertising and go seek it, you know, it it doesn't, um, it's not bad. It's something that you can seek help for, right? Um, and help ha- the treatment has been known to be effective. I think the more we can have of that, the better, right? I couldn't agree more. So hopefully 
that made you guys feel better. That is all we have. Um, <laughs> we would like to know, as always, your thoughts and experiences. Um, tell us, did we adequately warm you up to therapy and lift those disguises? Or do you still have some fears? Can you think of any other ways that therapy has warmed up and looks different than it used to? Um, and also, you know, of course, let us know if we missed anything. We are here to learn and grow alongside you. So we definitely want to know what you have to add. So that is all. And we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Counseling Clinic with Aisha Jane and Lisa Michelle. Remember to check out our website at thecounselingclinicpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at the Counseling Clinic Podcast. We'll see you guys by our next session. Bye guys. Music provided by scottholmesmusic.com and our show is edited and produced by Chris Luke.